And all of this, guys, if you want to go look on this, Fuller Seminary did a, a conference called Rethinking Hell, where all this material is there. And I was like, oh, finally. Um, because some, I, I just wrote some notes. And so here, here's what's really interesting about this is, um, see, he didn't give us a spirit of fear, did he? But of power, love, and a sound mind. And uh, what's really interesting to me is the first time I heard um, the evangelical definition of hell, it scared me. And it's, uh, so I'm going to go through some things. Do I believe in hell? Yes, I really do. But I think it's very different than what most people look at hell as. And I'll go through scripture. So nothing I'm saying is, is not backed up in scripture. And I think uh, um, uh, some of you guys have watched Baxter Kruger and T.F. Torrance and all these different people. And I was watching a, I was watching a video. I can't remember the professor's name now, but King's College in Aberdeen, Scotland. And they were asking him, um, you know, all these, these kids who come for seminary and they're trying to get divinity degrees and different things like that he said the number one question i get is this from these kids and i think all of us have had this experience that uh somehow god is unconditional love is he not isn't that what it says and he's also um and the scripture says love how many times does love fail never well that's interesting um, if love never fails, then when we go meet perfect love at the judgment seat of Christ, somehow the, the message we've taught is it's going to fail. Haven't we? But it says love endures forever. His anger and, and wrath endures for how long? Short time is what it says. But his love endures forever and it's everlasting. And he's also, he is an all-consuming what? Fire. So we're giving the, the devil the fire and the devil never had the fire. He's the fire. He's the all-consuming fire, and fire to the Jews was always purification, purity, and we'll show you from Scripture what that means. So I think what, what he said is all these students come to him, and I think we've all had this experience where they go, hey, you know what, uh, um, have, have all of you seen somebody die that wasn't a Christian, and uh, you looked at them, and they were a great mom, they were a great dad, they were a great grandfather, great grandmother, and you go, was he a Christian? That's really the, the, answer, the question, isn't it? And somehow, our conscience really has a hard time with how can an all-consuming, loving, unconditional father send them to be, send them off in the corner somewhere, separated from him, and turn up the heat so he can torment them the rest of their life? It just doesn't fit with me. It never has. Does anybody, we all have that question? It's the number one question he gets in seminary. So when Christ said, I poured out my spirit on all flesh and all will know me from the least to the greatest, we all know him. All flesh knows him. And that's why the world goes, I just, I can't believe in a God like that. And somehow we've convinced ourselves that, okay, but he's love, but he's also just, right? And he, he is. He's perfectly just. And he says, you know what? Uh, all were in the first Adam, all were in the last Adam. All died in the man, all made alive in Christ. And I'll show you the scripture. Well, all, all's very, all. So, do I believe in hell? Yes, and I'll share some things. But uh, the concept of hell is very different, and it's actually, what if it's, what if um, Jesus is the alpha and the, he's the end, right? He's the beginning and the end. So is eternal torment the end, or is he the end? I think he is. I think he actually wins. You know, everybody says that because they don't understand the revelation. They go, I don't understand any of that. I just know if you don't say the magic words before you die on this side of your, your thing, you're, you're going to go to eternal torment and you're going to be a rotisserie stick for the rest of your life. What a loving God. I just, I have, I have a challenge with that. Sorry. And uh, man, you know who are the people who will fight you like tooth and nail? Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
people who know the Bible. The Bible says this. Well, maybe you don't understand it completely. That's, what, that's all I, I would propose. So I just wrote some notes, and I'll go through some scripture. You don't have to believe in me. This is just what I believe. I believe he is an all-consuming fire. I believe he does send people to hell. But hell is not this place where you can never get out. If you go look at scripture, if you go watch that movie, every time and there's all these English or these Greek and Hebrew words that are all translated one word. is called hell. But hell was always you could get out. And if you go ask, when you, when you let me just read my notes because I'm going all over the place. But um, uh, all of this is coming from Fuller Seminary, by the way. That's weird, isn't it? So, um, and, and I've really struggled with this. This whole week I was going, Lord, I really want to teach something other than this. And I'm telling you, he would not let me get off this stupid thing. I'm like, all right, Lord, here it comes. They're, you're going to label me with everything. Universalist, blasphemous. How dare you, you, you give our hell away? We love our hell and like to send people there. That's what religious people do, I'm telling you. They love to, somehow I'm, I'm worthy to be accepted because I said the magic words, but this guy, no way. Send him to the rotisserie. I, I just don't think any of us do that. None of us would even be that evil, in my opinion. Yeah, so I just wrote this. This is not to cause division. It's a little scary, honestly, because I know, I know the heat I'm going to get. And so uh, I'm... The good news has to be good news to me. It has to be good news. And so do I believe in hell? Yes. People actually go there is what scripture says, and I'll I'll show you that. But when you take the scriptures, I think it actually points to good news. I think hell was always for a purification process and a restoring process. It wasn't for eternal torment. And so when, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, there were two trees to eat from. One was the tree of life, and the other one was the tree of good and bad. Good and evil, right? If I'm good, I'm going to get good stuff. If I'm bad, um, there's going to be some correction, right? And if you ate from that tree, what, what happened to you? You died. And if you ask a Jew, they have no concept of eternal torment. You know what they have conscious of? Death, Sheol, the place where the abyss in Greek is where the abyss, and he's going to die. But Jesus says, you know what? I've come to conquer the abyss, and I went down there. I went down to Sheol, and I conquered it, and now I have what? The keys to it. And what do you think unconditional love is going to do? Lock you back in? I think he's going to let you go. Now, I think there's a restorative process, which I'll show you about what, what hell is. And so that is his fire. That is his purification process. It burns away all man's improper beliefs, is what it says. So my view, as I'll show you from Scripture, is this hell, this Gehenna, this Hades, this hellfire, all, the Tehom, and all these different Greek and Hebrew words that it says, you could always get out. It was always a temporary process where David said, you know what? I went down to hell, and you were there. And you met me in hell, but you released me because you wouldn't allow my flesh to perish there. Hallelujah. Amen? And so that is his fire. That's his purification process. He is the consuming fire. His, his, he is perfect, unconditional love. His love never fails. Isaiah says this. He is... He's like, and I saw saw forever the word of faith teach it like this. The word of God that falls from heaven is like like, uh, rain and snow, and it goes down to the earth, and it does what it was supposed to do. It doesn't return void. So the word, who is the word? Jesus Christ that became flesh, that went down to the earth, and when he returned, did he return void? Well, no, not if we return scripture. And why did Jesus say he came? I came to conquer sin and death. I came to conquer the works of the devil. What were the works of the devil? Way back in the garden, what were the works of the devil? Deception. It was never true. It was a lie, right? 
And he says he's the father of lies. And so when Adam and Eve ate that thing, were they going to die? Yes, because they, were they ever separated from him? Impossible. God came and talked to him just like he always did. Jesus Christ is the creator of everything he's in and through and withholds everything by the power of his words. So he is in every atom of the universe. Doesn't that make sense? He's in all and all. He's in everything. So we've, the, the original lie was, you ate this thing, we felt bad, we got a conscience, and now we hid because we thought God's mad at us. That's the original lie. He was never mad at you and said, in fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preserve a place for you at the east end of the garden with, two, with a flaming sword. You're going to pass through the fire, the all-consuming fire, and the two cherubim, which is obviously a picture of Jesus and his unconditional love and the sacrifice. Right? It's the mercy seat, exactly what it says. That's your way back to the tree. But I'm not going to let you there in your common condition because I don't want you to live with this false idea of who I am for the rest of your life. I've always loved you. You will never separate me from my love because that's what I am. I am unconditional love. And I love you so much, I'm not going to leave you in this condition. I'm going to go conquer sin and death. No concept of eternal torment in the Old Covenant. So it's a very, we, hell is really kind of this, this Greek mythology, this Western concept. So anyway. He is, the, he is the love that never fails. He is the word of God that came to earth and doesn't return void. He accomplishes what he came for. And he says, my name is what? Salvation. And in the very, see, Romans 10.9 says this. Romans 10.9 says, if you believe in your heart when confess you with your mouth, what? You shall be sozoed. And that doesn't mean you're going to get to heaven. It also means healing of the heart. Amen? And scripture says, no one can say that unless they are led by the spirit. And if you look in the end, it said, Every knee shall bow and confess that he is Lord. So what do you think that means? Hallelujah. Maybe he did what he said he was going to do. Is it possible that he actually conquered evil? Now, the only thing we can't say is, oh, I'll go through scripture. So anyway, let's go through scripture. Is that okay? Is that, no, some of you guys are like, bah. Your head's like exploding already and go, blasphemy, throw them in hell. No, I've been there. <laughs> Sucks. It's not fun. And, and it really is, when we think things are going on in life, like Romans 8 talks about, when we, when we have financial challenges and relationship challenges and marriage, all the different challenges it has, it says, hey, don't be deceived. Um, that, those situations don't define who you are. That, my love will never separate. That's not a condition of I'm separated from you. I love you through all of it and I'm in you through all of it. And so you can always have hope that it's always going to get better because he's in you and you're in him. Does that make sense? All right, so let's go through scripture. The hopefulness of the lake of fire. Doesn't that even sound weird? All right, can we get that first slide? Okay, do you believe in hell? So all you guys online, before you send me nasty emails, yes, I do. I do because scripture talks about a lot. But I'm going to show you a zillion scriptures if you want at the House Fellowship Wednesday. That I'm not even scratching the scratch of the scratch of, of what he's actually done. And so... What is the result of eating from the wrong tree? I went through all this. Eternal torment? No, what was the result? Death. And doesn't it say he conquered sin and death? Yes. Okay. So was the last enemy that was destroyed? What was the last enemy that's going to be destroyed? Death. So if any, every enemy's been destroyed, now what? Yeah, but you better said the magic words, otherwise you're still going to be a rotisserie. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. I don't know where we got all this. So if that enemy is finally conquered, who is the consuming fire? See, we give the fire to the devil. He's a liar. Even if he, even if he was fire, he can't, he's a liar. If he goes, I am that fire, is he, do you think he's telling you the truth? No. Who is the consuming fire? 
Jesus. So scripture says he is the consuming fire and all of us will be salted with fire. It says every human being will be salted with fire. Now salt and fire to the Jews was always for what? Purification and preservation. Isn't that interesting? All right, so let's go to this next, next slide real quick. All right, just some script. Man, I could give you 50 of these. For everyone will be seasoned with fire. Whoa. Salt and fire, that's what he's talking about there. Matthew 3.11, we quote this all the time. Uh, I indeed baptize you, this is John the Baptist, and so you guys have heard me say this a million times, but when he sees, when John the Baptist sees Jesus come to the River Jordan, right, and he says, behold, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the, the guy who said the magic words, what does he say? The sin of the cosmos, creation. Behold, there's the Lamb that took away the sin of the creation. Interesting, isn't it? So, I, and so here, here comes Jesus, and see, Jesus was the baptism of repentance, change, change, metanoia, change what you think. You guys think that these good works in this legal system is going to, uh, going to uh, uh, save you. So to the Jew, when John the Baptist comes and goes, you need to be baptized with the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance, they had to admit that we're sinners, and we're all sinners, and this legal system isn't gonna, isn't gonna save us, and now for a religious person, how hard is that? To admit that all of their works up to this time was worth how much? Jack. Now, Christians still have a hard time believing any of this, but the, the Jews had a hard time believing it too. So think about that. The law said, you know what? You got to do this. You can't wear underwear that has more than one, one fabric in it. You can't wear any clothes that have mixed garments. You can't, you can't eat any of this stuff. You can't, you can't go to... Uh, uh, McCormick and Schmicks, bummer. Uh, you can't do any of this stuff. You can't walk this far on the Sabbath. So how many guys did it? David, you're guilty, man. You told me you walked today. You're, <laughs> you, 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 and if you've missed one, you've missed them all, amen? So you can't eat any of this stuff on the Sabbath. You can't do any of this. You can't do all this. So all of a sudden, they're told all this happens, but if they broke one of them, what did they have to do? Bring a lamb. So he goes, but now... Here, we're going to make these requirements so hard that none of you can actually ever do them. And so, but I've given you an escape because none of you guys can do this. So if you do any of it, here's all you need to do. You bring a lamb. What was that a picture of? Jesus. And the Jews stopped doing that. The Jews stopped being the salt. They stopped being the good news. They said, you know what? Only us are included in this thing. We're the only ones that uh, are going to be saved. And we're going to be saved because we follow the law. And then Jesus comes along and he goes, no, all that's different. You forgot that at the end, I was the lamb and you got to bring a lamb and I'm the lamb. And guess what? I'm not exclusive to the Jews. All nations are going to be included in me. Blasphemy. Right? So, here, so this, that was the baptism of John. Hey, you have to admit that that system will never save you and that you are a sinner. That was bad to a Jew. I, no, no, look, I've never, I've followed all these laws externally and then Jesus comes and he raises it to a higher level. He says, if you've even thought about it, you're guilty. He made them all guilty. Right? And he did it for a reason. It says, you know what? I've made you all guilty before God so that I could save all by my grace. Jew and Gentile, if you go read it correctly. So anyway, so Jesus and John the Baptist come into the river of Jordan. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Hey, you had to admit you're a sinner, right? Really hard for religious people. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit in what? Fire. Hey, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. All will be salted with fire. So the fire is always God's. It's always his purification process. It's always his salt. Does that make sense? All right, let's go, let's go to the next slide. So, all right. 
1 Corinthians 3.11. This is pretty interesting. You're probably all familiar with this scripture. For no other foundation can anyone lay that that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone, right? And so, uh, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on Jesus Christ with gold, silver, precious stones, do gold, silver, and precious stones make it through fire? Yes. So wood, hay, and straw, do they go through fire? No. And we're, wood, hay, straw is always representative of man's efforts to be righteous. We're always re- identified as trees. Does that, does that make sense? And it's always purification process. So what's going to get through the purification process? Jesus Christ. He was, he was all those things, right? He's the silver. He's the gold. That's why all the, the, the gems are, are laid on the high priest garments, etc. You guys familiar with what I'm talking about? That's all that's going to go through the fire. Wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. So what's he going to judge? Is he going to judge the people or their work? Their work. Everybody see this? I'm not, I don't want to put words in my mouth. I want you to see scriptures actually quite clear on a lot of this. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. What day are they talking about? The judgment day, the day of Christ. Because it will be, it will be revealed by fire. So what's fire going to strip away? All man's efforts, all the whole legal system, everything. You, hey, listen, you, you can't do it. The only way you get in this deal is Jesus Christ. Right? So the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work has been built on it and endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But, and then he will go to eternal torment, separated from God for the rest of his life. What does it say? He himself will be saved, yet as through the fire. Isn't that interesting? I, I think it's awesome, too. It's actually good news, which it gets you crucified in the Christian world. But uh, <laughs> I just think it's really good news. You know what? My wife said something to me. We were talking about this yesterday. I'm like, oh, sweetie, I kind of dread talking about this. But for, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, he would not let me off this thing. I, was, I got up early, like, all right, maybe, you know, Joy comes in the morning, he's going to give me a different message to, to share this week. No, you're doing this one. Son of a gun. <sighs> How do you get me into these situations, Lord? Because it's actually really good news. If you, can re, if you can reduce this eternal torment and really believe he did accomplish what he was set for, and I'll, I'll share with it. So, if any man's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be sozoed as yet through fire. And so I was talking about this with Barb. She goes, you know what? Um, if I believed that there was a chance that my children could go to eternal torment, I love these kids so much, why would I birth these childs into this world? Moms, you've probably all experienced that, haven't you? And I believe that's terrible. What a terrible message. He goes, because birth is supposed to be come out of this perfect intimacy and love. So I, I just have a hard time. If we can understand that being earthly is what it says, how much more he, being a heavenly father, understands that concept? Why would he give birth to somebody knowing that, well, you know, uh, um, man's will, he can reject unconditional love forever, so uh, you know what? There's a potential that he might be eternally tormented and burned uh, forever and ever and ever with no relief. What, a, what an amazing God. And I think that's why the world goes, I can't serve a God like that. Because spirit, his spirit was poured out on all flesh, and it doesn't even fit for any of us, if we're really honest. We've just convinced ourselves, because we've heard preachers preach it forever, that you're going to go to hell if you don't say the magic words. So come on, say the magic words. And that never sat with me. I'm like, how did that do it? Because you've all heard my story. I did that at 13, my confession of faith, and all I wanted to do after that was go drink beer. I'm like, nothing changed for me. 
really, that was it? it? I just thought it would be more dramatic. I thought I would have, really, I said the magic words, and that's it? That's all I had to do? Well, shoot. Anyway, with the brain would do that then. If you either got a choice of, I'm going to burn in hell, in eternal torment, and not get out, I'm going to do it forever, or just say the magic words and you're, you're fine. What? Right? Who wouldn't choose that? But was there any transformation, was there any heart transformation where the good news got down on the heart and go, man, I'm free from sin and death. He'll never judge me. My judgment is perfect righteousness for the rest of my life. Doesn't that fit better? Ha. Huh. He, it's actually good news now. So anyway, he will be saved, yet as through. He's going to go through some fire. He's going to go through a purification process. Does that make sense? All right, let's go to the next, next slide. All right, Revelation 14.10. Ooh, we're going to get into Revelation. I love this. So um, how many, we talked about this briefly last time, but fire and brimstone. It says everybody's going to be salted with fire. He is an all-consuming fire. I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture saying that, that he is the all-consuming fire. But let's... let's uh, um, Revelation 1 says, the apocalypsos of Jesus Christ. What, is, what does the apocalypsos mean? The unveiling of Jesus Christ. Most people think, um, if you listen to the radio, they got seeds in their, bar, their house. and It's the good news of Jesus Christ is what Revelation is about. Not this, why, why do I think this is so important? Because I think it affects how we live today. If everybody's trying, waiting until they get raptured out because, man, it's going to go to hell in a handbasket. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And uh, thank God we get sucked out of this thing. Right? But if you, look, if you look at the story of Noah and everybody else, it's really crazy. Who gets left behind? The good guys. In Noah's Ark, who gets left behind? The good guys. In Sodom and Gomorrah, who gets left behind? The good guys. You want to be left behind, guys. If we're going to believe that. Does that make sense? I'm serious. You want to be left behind. The whole thing that you're going to get sucked out and all the bad's going to be here. No way, man. You want to be left behind because it says all the evil is going to be burned up with consuming fire. It's going to be a flood that destroys everything, etc. Right? But then if you go read it, it says, I'm going to put this... I'm going to put this... Uh, uh, I'm going to put this rainbow on there that I will never do that ever again. And yet we're, we're planning for it. What a mess, right? Am I afraid that any of you are going to eternal torment? I can ask that for you. No way. No way, because I believe he was the word of God that ultimately did what he said he was going to do. And he is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Everything before the foundation of the world, we were found in him is what it says. Amen? Now, so anyway, let's, let's talk about this. He shall be tormented. Torment sounds like what? Not fun, Right? So he would rather you come to this, this situation now, he'd rather you realize that you're perfectly righteous, because if you don't know that you're completely forgiven and you're perfectly righteous, what are you going to do? You're going to set up a religious system to try get yourself to be good, the good bad tree, and what in Galatians says that's going to produce what? Anger, murder, strife, all the nonsense we don't want. The harder you try, the worse it's going to get. That's what Paul talks about. The harder you try get to be a good guy, to be accepted by Christ, the worse it's going to get. The strength of sin is what? Trying to be good enough. That gives it strength, and it's, just a, it's going to blow up on you at some point. You're going to be good enough and good enough, and finally you're just going, this sucks, and something blows up in your life. It's anger, murder, and that's why it's, it's fascinating to me. So anyway, um, so torment, it, it's not going to be fun. 
So he would rather you, hey, I'd rather you understand that you're, I finished everything. It's such great news that you're in me. You're perfectly righteous. You're perfectly, you've been set free from the law of sin and death. The thing that in, in Genesis says what you have to worry about is Sheol, the pit, the abyss, the, the, where the dead are. But guess what? By the time, and by the time you get to the end of Revelation, there's no more abyss. There's no more sea. It's thrown into the lake of fire. Huh? What about judgment? Jesus, who are you going to meet when you go to the mercy seat? So you think judgment, you think judgment is going to be guilty. What's he going to say when he meets you? Righteous. Jesus comes and he says, so he was the word of God that came and he doesn't return void. He accomplishes that why he was sent, right? And he says, I didn't come to judge how many? Anyone. I came to save them. And then the father says this. The father says, I'm not judging anybody. I gave all judgment to the son. It's a complete setup. And then Jesus goes, I came to not judge anybody but to save them, and I'm going to accomplish that for which I was sent. So when you meet him at the judgment seat, what's going to happen? Not guilty. That's the judgment. All were in Christ is what it says. So anyway, he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone. If you think, if you think hell, I, see, I believe in hell. We'll talk about this. I believe in hell. I believe a lot of you are in it. You go through this refining process, if you, don't, if, if you feel you're separated from God, if you're going through things, etc., if you're trying to be a good Christian in your own strength, it's hell. It's hell, guys, until you come to the recognition that I can do nothing, and he has to live his life through me, now I can start to experience unconditional love. He loves me despite me. And, and what people don't, why they don't dare teach that is because they think you're going to go run off and sin. No, the strength of sin is the law. What's causing people to, to participate in all this stuff is real, thinking they're guilty even though they're not guilty. He's never been separate from them. So whatever your concept of the lake of fire is, the fire and brimstone, is it separated from God or is it in his presence? See, weren't you taught that the minute you die, if you're in the club, you're going one way. If you didn't get in the club because no missionary was sent with you, where are you going? Going the other way. Did that ever sit right with any of you guys, honestly? Hey, you know what? I've always thought about that. You know, what if I was in the, what if I was one of those Brazilian dudes just wearing nothing but a little string, you know, running around in the jungle, and I didn't hear, they didn't send any missionary, this all perfectly loving God would somehow send me to hell in eternal torment. Did that sit right with any of you guys? Honestly, if you really, I'm not saying after you've been through indoctrination for five, ten years. I'm saying when you first heard that, that, does that make sense to anybody? Or am I, am I the only one that thinks that's weird? I always thought it was weird. Did anybody not think that was weird? Raise your hand. That message. Okay, we're in the right place then. That never sat with me. Like, what in the world? So you better send me money so I can go do that because the blood's on your hands if these guys don't get... Wait, wait a minute. If I gave birth to this, which it says every, God's the only but one that can produce life, he, why, would I, why would I produce kids knowing that I'm going to leave it up to them whether they're going to be in eternal torment or not? That just doesn't sit. And I think when you really look at Scripture, it actually solves all these things for us. Is there a hell? Yes. But it's a, it's, what if it's restorative? What if it's a purification where it burns away all evil, all chaff, all wrong thinking, all belief, all your wood, stay, hay, and stubble, and all that's left is silver and gold? which is redemption and divinity. Now, what if that's hell? Now it's something better that I can actually get my arms around. So here's what it says. The fire, with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. So 
whatever fire and brimstone is, it's in, it's in Jesus' presence, is it not? You know, Psalms, over and over it says, you know what, if I go down and make my bed in hell, if I make my bed in hell, not he sends me there, if I make my bed in hell, it says what? Where is he? You're there with me. Isn't that interesting? And so I just want to talk to you about fire and brimstone. So fire, if you go look in Strong's 44, 42, helps word studies. This is powerful to me. So fire in scripture and often, it's, the, it's uh, oh, I didn't even put it there. But if you go look at it, it's, it's uh, the root is pure, like purification. That's the Greek word is P-O-O-R, pure, pure is really, it's a P-U-R with a little weird Greek thing. So, so you Greek scholars, you know what I'm talking about. But we get, the, we get that concept of purification by fire. Don't we do that? What's, that? what's that show Solomon always watches? Forged in fire. You guys see that? That's always a weird show to me. So they make these killing weapons, etc., and then they cut this big half slunk of meat or something there. And... <laughs> you ever seen that? But why do they go? You like it too? Yeah, I'm like, man, okay. So never get too scary, Solomon. He's got all these swords and weapons in his room. I'm like, wait a minute. I want you to get the idea. And also, anyway. So, but the, the forged in fire, what is the fire supposed to do? What, why do you keep putting it in the fire? It purifies the metal. And all that's going to come out are silver and gold and precious stones, guys. Right? So fire was always for purification. If you read it in Scripture, it says, Scripture is often used figuratively. How many of you guys understand that? It's figuratively. All Revelation says, this book is signified, signified. It's all signs. By the time you get to the end of Revelation, he's going to reveal all these signs to you, what all these signs mean. You've seen it throughout Scripture. You don't have to even come up with the stuff. It, he goes, uh, when he says, woe unto you, all the woes, all the woes in Revelation, if you go back in Scripture, where, who did Jesus say woe to? Who's the only person Jesus said woe to? Woe unto you, you Pharisees, you teachers of the law. Your father's the devil. Whoa, you tell the high priest that his father's the devil. Now, all the other seminary guys are going to tell me that, that what? This is blasphemy. I'm teaching the devil. Yet Jesus goes, no, your way is what's going to get burned up. Isn't that interesting? So what, that, what is that, you know, and, and uh, Stephen, we can talk about this more because I, I, you know, I think that with 80, 70, etc., when Jesus is talking about the Valley of Gehenna, where there's the, where's the worm that never dies, and we've talked about this. I'm not full preterist, meaning that everything happened 80, 70. I think the whole legal system of you trying to be righteous by good works was completely burned up in 8070. Jerusalem fell. They've never sacrificed a lamb ever since. But I think it's type and shadow that, hey, all, all man's efforts is going to be burned up. And you know what happened to the bodies of, of the Jews that didn't get out of Dodge? Because Jesus, they're, they're asking him, hey, when, are the, when is the end of this time, this age, this eon is what it says? It says, when's the end of this age and when are all these things going to be? And if you go look at it, Jesus says this. He says, listen, when you see Rome basically surround Jerusalem, what are you supposed to do? Get out of Dodge. There's going to be wars and rumor of wars and all these different things, but the end is not yet. But I tell you what, when you see the, the, these guys come and surround Jerusalem, get out of there. And Josephus and all the Christian writers said that everybody who believed Jesus' message was spared. The people who stayed in Jerusalem, guess what happened to them? It was literally burned to the ground. All legalism, all man's efforts are completely burned up. But the people went to, the believers went to Petra. They found a place in the rock. See the symbolism? Fascinating, isn't it? And so I believe the end, 
all of us are going to go through this process. Hey, you know what? We're all going to, hey, a lot of us are starting this now. We're, hey, we're believing this, etc. But uh, if we think it's been man's works, we're going to go through that fire. We're going to be purified by fire. And when we get on the other side, all that's going to be left is every knee is going to bow and everybody's going to go, he is who he says he is. And if you have to do it by salvation, by the Holy Spirit. He's not going to, see, I think we've had this thing where he goes, every knee shall bow. <clears throat> right? No, that's a religious guy. That's not the unconditional love of the Father. The religious guy would like to do that. Nanner, nanner, nanner. See, I got in and you didn't out and I'll burn. Unfortunately, that's most of Christianity. I think unconditional love, it says nobody can say that he is salvation except by the Holy Spirit. When they, when they meet unconditional love face to face without the veil, is it a possibility? This is where you can't become a universalist. Is it a possibility that man could, in the face of perfect love, deny him forever? We have to say maybe, but I doubt it. I doubt it. So, fire in Scripture is often used figuratively like the fire of God. Now watch this. Which transforms all it touches into light and likeness with itself. So his fire, anything that touches it, turns it into what? Likeness and light with himself. Isn't that wild? And then brimstone. Brimstone's a really amazing one. So how many of you guys think brimstone is like this negative deal? <laughs> yeah, because we read Sodom and Gomorrah. But if you read Revelation, it says, even Sodom and Gomorrah will be what? Restored. You know, it's a real bender. Oh, I shouldn't even go. I'm getting myself deep already. But uh, <laughs> when I was in Phoenix, I was talking to these ladies, if you're watching. And so um, I said, you know what's really... How many of you guys have heard like a million antichrists and it, it's, either, uh, it's either the United States is, is the... The what? What am I? What's the word I'm trying to think? Babylon is the great Babylon, the great harlot, etc. It's either the United States or it's the Catholic Church or it's Rome or it's uh, I don't know. It's Donald Trump. How many? How many? Scripture clearly says figuratively, Egypt, Sodom, and Gomorrah is what Jerusalem. Man's effort to try be pleasing to God, and all of that's going to be burned up. And it actually happened in AD 70. They've never done an animal sacrifice ever since. And you know what they did to the Jews that stayed there, that didn't get out of the Dodge when Jesus told them to get out of the Dodge? You know what they did? They threw them into the Valley of Gehenna, which is the valley right below the western south of Jerusalem, which the, our, our translation just says hell. It doesn't say Gehenna. It says hellfire, Gehenna. And, it, and, and he's telling these Jews, he said, listen, it would be better for you to cut off your arms or your eyes if it causes you to miss me than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna, that's the word he uses there. And guess what? The Jews that, st that, that stuck around, you know where they threw the dead bodies? In the valley of Gehenna. And it was completely burned up. That's what that video talks about. He goes, I've actually been to Gehenna. It's a valley southwest of Jerusalem. And, and he, he talks about it. It's weird. They were having a barbecue. It's just symbolic to him. So anyway, so brimstone, strong concordance is what, what? It's the Greek word theos or theon. Doesn't that sound like theos? The root is actually the divinity of God. So if you go look at brimstone, it's, the, it's brimstone or sulfur, theon, sulfur, named for the sulfur snell left by lightning. Doesn't he say he's like lightning? Doesn't he say he's perfect light? Doesn't he say he's a consuming fire? So figuratively, the fire of heaven, bringing down God's judgment to display his awesome, unstoppable power. So whatever their concept is, 
you're going to be thrown into a fire that transforms you in touchness and likeness of itself and his awesome power that never fails. Pretty cool, isn't it? Okay, let's go to this next slide. All right. Revelation 20, 13. Now, when Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, what's going to happen to them? You're going to die and you're going to go to hell, Sheol, the place of the dead, the abyss in Greek, the deep. See, all scripture, if you look at any mythology, you know, what, where, the, you know where the snake, the dragon came from? There's always the sea, the deep, the abyss, the dark places. But if you get to the end of Revelation, it says, and there was no more sea. Why isn't there any sea? Because he's conquered all of that. Amen? Why did Jesus walk on the sea? So we could make a work of faith and we can go try walk on, that's what I was taught. See, look at that, pure faith. No, he walked on the sea because all the other mythologies said, you know what, sea is where you go to die in the dark places and the abyss, etc. But my God conquers the sea and he can actually walk on the sea. The sea's under his feet. You guys get it? Anyway, if you still think you have enough faith to walk on water, put me in your will. Because it's not about that. I'm just telling you it's not about that. Because it said Peter walked on water a little bit above judgment, the sea, until he did what? Until he looked at himself. So as long as he, he looked at Jesus, says we are transformed in his image by the Spirit, as soon as you look at your, your own efforts, what happens? We go into the sea. So we go into judgment. The, the waters of judgment, the flood was always judgment, right? So the sea gave up the what? The dead. So Sheol, death, this abyss gave up their dead. And all who were in it is what scripture says. And death and Hades, Hades is translated as hell, if you go look at it in, in English. Death and hell delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Now, what did we say what, when you're going to get judged by your works? What happens? All the works built on Jesus are going to come out with silver and gold and precious stones, but all man's efforts are going to do what? Be consumed in hellfire. So we're going to judge your works, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of purification. So whatever you think about hell, Hades, what happens to it? It's thrown into the divinity of God. Is it not? Do you guys see this? Does anybody not see this? I know your religious head's going, blah, I want my hell. <laughs> this was the what death? Second death. So what just died right there? Death and hell. Death and hell are conquered. Didn't he say sin and death are conquered? When you eat from the wrong tree, what's going to happen to you? You're going to go into the abyss. You're going to go into Sheol. You're going to go to hell. But Jesus goes down there, doesn't he? He says, I went down there and I conquered it and I rose. I've conquered death. And now I've got the keys. Of what? Sin and death. And you know what? Death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. And when you're cast into the lake of fire, here's what happens. It transforms all it touches into light and likeness with itself. Death dies. Hell dies. Does that make sense? 
Do I believe there's a hell? Yes, I do. I believe most Christians go through it most of their life because they're experiencing this fear, this eternal torment where they think, this God, man, I better, I better say the right thing. I better do the right thing because I don't know. He still might judge me on this good, bad tree. What about my works? What about evil? What about all this? Hey, listen, he conquers all of it. It gets thrown in there. That's why it says whoremongers, drunks, all this stuff are not going to enter the kingdom. You know why? Because it has to go the purification process. He goes, I'm going to baptize you with the fire and the Holy Spirit. Everything's going to go through my all-consuming love and nothing that's going to come out on the other side but perfection. Now you're prepared. And then I'll even have Revelation 21. Who's got Revelation 21? I I can pull it up real quick. So if we we just go into the last chapter of Revelation, um, do you see that he conquered sin and death? I, I I could give you a zillion scriptures. We can go through more at my house Wednesday if you want. But I love this personally. So what he's saying is, listen, um, if you need purification, if you don't know that I'm all-consuming love and you're still trying to distance yourself from me, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get thrown in the lake of fire and brimstone, and guess what's going to come out on the other side? When fire and brimstone at Sodom and Gomorrah, what happened? What came out? Righteousness, didn't it? And that's a type and shadow of who? Jesus Christ. So man's efforts were all killed. It died. That's what it says. It died. But what came out was what? Righteousness. And I've I've heard all the faith teachers go, you know what? He should have gone down to one. If we found one righteous, you know how many were righteous? One, Abraham. But who was Abraham a type and shadow of? Jesus Christ. And all nations will become out of him. So guess what? He did go down to one. If it was up to our righteousness, how many would have burned in Sodom and Gomorrah? Abraham and Lot. They're out. But he's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. says all were in him. So it burned up all of man's efforts and righteousness comes out the other side, which is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. You're going to go through the the burning sulfur, the fire and brimstone, and all unrighteousness is going to be out. And I'm going to read Revelation 21, okay? I know some of you guys, you got all the what-if scriptures we could go through that. And you know what? There's an answer to all of them, which is really fascinating. But the, the, the simple thing to me is, is Jesus who he says he is, and he, is, he, is he truly the alpha and the omega, or is eternal torment my omega, my end? All were in Adam, all were in Christ, is what it says. And I'm going to conquer all. Now, it's going to be hell for some people. They're going to have to strip all of man's efforts, everything that's caused them to be angry, murder, strife, etc., and all that's going to be left. They're, they're going to, it says all will be saved, but they're going to go through hellfire, the purification process. Isn't that interesting? So Revelation 20, 13 says this, and then it says, uh, uh, if you keep going, I think, what it says then, it says, then, then who, everybody who was not found in the book of life, uh, if you were found in the book of life, you're in. If you weren't found in the book of life, you know where you get thrown? Into the lake of purification. And what's the lake of purification going to do? It says it purifies and turns into a likeness of itself anything it touches. Isn't that wild? Isn't that a better message, actually, that Jesus actually might win? It says everybody was thrown into him. Things in heaven, things in earth, and all will be in all. I can't make this stuff up, guys. I know you're, everybody's going to yell at me and you're blasphemous, etc. So if you look at Revelation 20, the next, Revelation 21 says this, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Why is there no more sea? Because that was symbolic of death. That was, that was Sheol to a Jew. 
Sheol is where you go when you die. It was in the sea, below the depths, in the abyss. And that's where the serpent lives. The dragon comes out of the sea and attacks the, the God on the mountain. And I, saw jo- and, I saw, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God of, out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great, great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Isn't that when Jesus was born? Isn't that what he said? You know what? Great news. Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel? God with us. No, no, he's not with you until you say the magic words. Then, he, then he's in you and with you. Until then, you're separated. Isn't that the gospel you were taught? So guess what? You all got to get good at sharing it because everybody's out and you got to get them in. Good luck. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, neither shall be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And then if you get to the very end, it says, the gates are open forever and the spirit and the bride say, come on in. That's why C.S. Lewis says, if anybody is in hell, if they're going through the purification process, can we say that all are going to be wrapped up in God? I think scripture says there are, but all, nobody dares to go there because they, they don't want to get labeled as a universalist. Because, and here's their only holdout is, well, we all have to receive that message, right? And we have to agree with it. I agree, but I think here, sometimes people have a hard time agreeing with it, but I, I think when this veil is gone and we can see perfection and perfect love face-to-face, I think it's going to be really hard to say, I don't want that. I just think it's going to be very hard. So C.S. Lewis says, if there's anybody in hell, they're, there be, they're, they're, they're already there who's forgiven and perfectly loved by Christ, and he doesn't want them to be in eternal torment, and all he wants to say is, come on into the house. Because the gates are open, they'll never be closed again. Because I have the gates of hell, and I opened them. In fact, death and hell were swallowed up by death. They are no more. There's no more sea. Come on in. That's what the end of Revelation says. He is the Alpha and the Omega. So let's go to the last slide real quick. Is this making sense to anybody? Is anybody really mad at this message? Pissed off? Christians usually do when I share this. I think as a believer, do we want anybody to go to hell? Wouldn't it even make sense? You do? You want Hitler to go to hell? See, if he, see, see, here's the problem with that. Scripture says if you're guilty of one, you're just as bad as Hitler. So what makes you worthy to be saved and not him? I know you didn't, but it says if you've even thought about somebody negatively, you've murdered. Whoa, ho, ho, be careful. Serious. No, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say you acted it out, because that's what the Jews were saying. We didn't do any of those things. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You've missed it. I'm not worried about the external. You can wash yourselves and be a whitewashed tomb and look good on Sundays. I'm interested in your heart. And he said, if you've even thought about somebody negatively, have, have anybody not thought about somebody negatively? He said, if you've even thought about somebody negatively, you're guilty of hellfire. what scripture says thank god that he saved a wretch like me isn't that interesting i don't know do you know see that's where it says when you know you've been forgiven much you know what you do ah oh, you start to experience the love and compassion of christ you love much is what it says now if we think we're better than somebody else it says be careful how you judge because the same way you judge you know what's going to happen 
not that he's going to judge you as anything guilty. He's, he's declared you perfectly innocent for the rest of your life. How you judge, you know what's going to happen to you? You yourself are judged by the same measure you use. So if you measure it by their external things, you know what you're going to do to yourself? Judge yourself and feel guilty and ashamed and not worthy. You might act like it on the outside, but internally you never feel good enough. You never feel good enough to succeed. You never feel good enough to have relationships. You never feel good enough to do it. So you know what? You go through religious exercises, trying to do things, and all it's going to do is produce anger, murder, strife. All the things that we say we don't want is what the works of the flesh actually do. Until you know and you can have a rest for your soul, go, thank God he saved a wretch like me. Now you can experience the life of Christ. You start to get out of hellfire. So hell, if you go look at that, is really this condition of not believing the truth about yourself. Now, I granted, like somebody like Hitler who's, who's willing to do all those things and act out all those murderous things, does he have darkness in his heart? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's people typically have been rejected. They, they feel like God's mad at them, etc. And so, you know what? I'm going to be better than the other guy. And that's what he did. He to, uh, that's what the Jews did. That's what most Christians do. I'm out. I'm in. You're out. You're excluded. I'm in this club. You're out. And you know what you start doing? Judging people. Versus, go share the good news that you know what, he's conquered sin and death. You have nothing to be fearful of. When you meet him at the judgment seat of Christ, the judgment's gonna be, you're in, you're in. Because all were in Christ, is what it says. Now, could they deny all, see, and I think people, the reason people reject this violently, Christians reject this violently, because they still believe that when you die, if you were good, if you ate from the, if you, if you were good, I know we don't say this, but we really do. Our good is based on, did we say those words? And if we did before this side of heaven, guess what happens? We're going over here. And if you didn't, where are you going? Separated from God. But there is no separation. It says, even in hell, that's where I am. And whatever your concept of fire is, it's the presence of the Lamb and the holy angels. So heaven and hell are in the same place. It's everything's in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, some of us start accepting it on this side, but we don't know. We really don't know, do we? Does anybody really know what's going to everybody? Christians just do this fallback. We don't know what's in their heart. Right. How many guys have said, I've said that, because that's what my pastor taught me. We just never know what's in their heart. No, I I get it. We we know what's in all of our hearts. We all have a little bit of darkness. Don't we? So why are you saved? What gives you? See, I, I believe it's incredibly good news can finally rest man jesus was who he says he was he was salvation he was the word of god that came to the earth he descended into hell sheol and he conquered sin and death the thing that we were afraid of that when we ate from the wrong tree was going to be death not eternal torment and you know what we 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 translate eternal as meaning forever right if you go look at it it just means complete and so eternal fire means it's completely it, it's, it's complete in all of its ways. It burns up all man's efforts. It burns all the fire, the chaff. It's eternal, meaning it doesn't have to do that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do what it says, it's, and all that's going to be left is silver, gold, precious stones. You shall be saved, but through fire. Doesn't it say it? Okay, so whatever the concept of hell is, it is in the presence of his all-consuming love that never fails. That's what I believe, because that's, that's what Scripture tells me. I'm not trying to make this stuff up. And that's why I go, this is such a controversial thing. But I, I think it's such a great message, because like, what if Jesus actually does, is who he says he is, and he actually wins? What if he actually is the omega? Not eternal torment. What if love is the eternal 
What, is, what if that's the end? Doesn't that say that in Scripture? So, I believe in hell, but I believe it's the purification process, not the eternal torment with no escape. I don't believe that. Because David in all the Psalms says, I was in hell, but I got out. And I think we all kind of feel that sometimes. So I believe hell, the hell fire, what it says is for purification. The, very, the fire was always for purification. It's for purification. You know what? All those things that he lists, drunkenness, whoremongering, all those different things, that is not going to enter into the kingdom. Why? Because the only thing that's going to go in is redemption, divinity, and your preciousness. Man, that's good news to me. So it's not eternal damnation with no hope for escape. That hellfire burns up all man's efforts, just like it did with Jerusalem in 8070. It's a type and shadow of what all is, and all are restored back to him. We all were created, and everything was good, is what it says in Genesis, and I believe in the end, everything is good. Right? Why would you create something you love perfectly, and then, because you're perfect love, but somehow nobody got to us in time. And now I'm just going to turn up the heat over here and throw you over here and just... Turn the fire up. What a loving God. Is it possible someone could reject? This is the only, this is the only thing, why people don't go there. Is it possible? I'll, I'll, I'll be with you in just a second. Is it possible someone could reject perfect love? In theory, yes, but my hope is no. That's why I go with the hopefulness of the lake of fire. Because the lake of fire is Jesus Christ himself, the all-consuming fire. That's perfect love, unconditional love that I believe never fails. And I believe in his presence, whether it takes 1,000 years, 10,000 years, I just think... Finally, you're going to say, uncle, and every name shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And it says everybody has to do that, not because he twists their arm, but because it's by the Spirit says they can say it. I like it. It makes me happy. Now, if it screws up your theology, it typically doesn't make you happy, because doggone it, I thought I had this thing figured out. So what were you going to ask? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. See here. See here's here's what people don't, and I get it. See her question is basically this: If it doesn't matter, right? Isn't that basically what you're saying? Well, does he love you anyway? Whether you're good or bad, does he love you? Yes. Yeah. The Holy Spirit. You know what gets Hitler to do what Hitler does? Requirements to feel like God loves him. It's 180 degrees out of phase what everybody's been taught. I guarantee you, Hitler, somewhere in his life, felt rejected, abandoned, abused. God doesn't love me. I don't even know his story, but I guarantee you. He did? Yeah? A girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, a Jewish girl that he was in love with? So guess what he wants to do? Go kill Jews. Yeah. See, we, see here's, here's the human condition, guys. 
when Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, what did they immediately fall into? Guilt, shame, which causes, we were created to function in unconditional love. When you don't function in unconditional love, you know what happens? You get angry. And you set up requirements to somehow get back to his love. If I'm good, if I do these things, if I repent, confess, baptize, Holy Spirit baptize, then I'm in. And Galatians clearly says that produces anger, murder, strife, etc. But if you believe the truth that you're already unconditionally loved, that the reason he died on the cross was because of his love for you to go rescue you from sin and death. I love you so much, I'm going to die. He says, no man takes my life, I'm doing this willingly. So Jesus was crucified by the anger of God? Or was he crucified by angry men? Angry men. Did Jesus feel the wrath of God? No, he thought the wrath of man, the anger of man, killed perfect love. And then where sin abounds, what happens? Grace hyperabounds. So God takes this thing. He goes, I'm going to show the, the, the depravity of man outside of me that in their greatest sin, man is going to kill the creator of the universe who is unconditional love. And how does, what does he do with that thing? All things works for good. He goes, I'm going to use their greatest sin and show you that my grace abounds over man's deepest sin. You guys get it? You get it? So what keeps them from doing it? Knowing that they're unconditionally loved. The Holy Spirit governs us is what it says. The Spirit gets us to reject ungodliness. Knowing that we're perfectly loved. Not you going, and praying in tongues for whatever, and like, now I'm in the Spirit. No. I've seen a lot, of, a lot of tongue talkers really mad at people. Have, has anybody seen a tongue talker mad at people? I have. Some of the angriest I've ever seen, to be honest with you. Like, whoa, don't get around them. No, I'm in the spirit. No, you're in jack. You're, you're thinking that somehow qualifies you for something more, and it, it doesn't. You got to... All of that is a, is a fruit of the spirit, is what it says. It's a gift of the spirit. So when you know you're perfectly loved and... and compassion and the righteousness of the Father, you know what you start to do? It produces love, joy, peace, self-control, all the things of the Spirit. You thinking that you're better somebody and you're, and you're not going to be judged because you said the words, it produces anger. The very thing you don't think it's producing is what's producing. That's what Scripture says. You guys get it? I've, I've, I've abused this thing, so you can get to your feet. Is that good, though? You guys understand it? If you have questions, feel free, guys. I, man, I... I didn't dare talk about this until I've been grinding on this for six months, and I'm like, it finally makes sense to me. Not that I have all the answers, but this, this is something that actually fits for me. Like, wait a minute, perfect love consumes all evil. So, yeah, go ahead, one more. It's your last one. You've exhausted all your questions. No, I'm just joking. You can come ask me ten more after this, but I just want to get these guys out. Yeah, you know what it says? Scripture clearly tells, she's asking, she said, what are the works that we're supposed to do? If all of our efforts are going to be burned up, what is, what is the works of man that's not going to be burned up? Anybody know the answer? Yeah, Stephen. Believe in the one who is sent. That's how you do the works of God is what Scripture says. Exactly, she goes, that doesn't feel like work. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's why it can only, by, by grace you have been saved through faith. Because you prayed in tongues so long, you produced this faith. And it says, no, that faith is not of your own. Hallelujah, man. There was only one faithful one. 
Jesus Christ, and we're in him. And he's conquered sin and death, so what do we have to look forward to? Life. Hallelujah. Death and hell were thrown into the lake of fire. That was the second death. Death and hell died. Hallelujah. Now there's a new song and a new thing. The sea's gone. There's no more crying. The gates are open forever. Let's go share that the good news, that you're completely forgiven and he loves you perfectly. That's the gospel. Does that get it? And then they'll start to experience life. So, Father, we love you. We praise you. Please keep these people from stoning my house. Because <laughs> it actually is really good news to me. I know it's a tough message, but you know what? Your, your message was tough to the religious people then. It's just as tough now. It's just... It doesn't feel like work. That was a perfect answer. It's because it's not. It's, it's, there's no work involved. It says, you know what? You can rest from your works. Enter into my rest. My yoke is easy and light. There's nothing for you to do. But believe in the one who was sent, that he actually accomplished what he did. And he saved you from sin and death. All you have to look forward to is life, and life more abundantly is why Jesus came. Amen? So, Father, we thank you that they can believe for good. That, you know what? Just go deep into their heart. That any guilt, any shame, any sins of their past, any wrong thoughts, etc., let them see your perfect love, your perfect light, that you see them perfect. You see them perfect in every way. You see them through the lens of Jesus Christ as in him, that the obedience of one man has completed and perfect, perfected them forever. They're in. So let all that guilt, all that shame, all that nonsense just be burned away by your unconditional love, that they can expect the very best in you because that's who you are. You came to give us life and life more abundantly. So Father, I just remove all guilt, all shame, all wrong thinking, just renew their mind to who they are in Christ Jesus. We just thank you for that, Father. They can start expecting great things in their life. They can, they can realize that they're perfectly loved no matter what situation they're going through. And that you conquer all of the wrong things and they're never separated from your love in Jesus' magnificent name. Amen, amen, amen. If you, if you have questions, come up here. Um, you don't have to believe me, but please go look at scripture for yourself. Mm -hmm.